This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. The boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. Uh, I would usually be saying, joining me as usual, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Naz is feeling a little bit under the weather this morning. Uh, so, Naz, get better, my friend. And uh, stepping into the hot seat this morning, former Toronto Maple Leaf, Lou Franceschetti. How are you this morning, Lou? Good morning, Wally. Just sitting here watching this great tennis match. Yeah, I know. Uh, certainly, uh, it is an exciting tennis match, but uh, we got a lot of sports to talk about this morning, Lou. Um, man, I got to tell you, Lou, it's tough being a Toronto Maple Leaf and a Buffalo Bills fan. Um, <laughs> I mean, they just have a way of sucking the life out of you at times. And uh, last Sunday night, uh, I, I can't remember a game that left me as shell shocked. Uh, as that one after the game. Um, you know, I'm a Buffalo Bills fan. As a Buffalo Bills fan, uh, we talked about we talk about the Bills quite often on the show. In fact, coming up, uh, uh, middle of the hour, Carlo Koliakovo, the host of TSN's First uh, Up in the Morning, uh, every morning, Monday to Friday, we'll talk about him. He's a big Bills fan. And later on in the hour, um, uh, Washington Redskins, Notre Dame, and Toronto Oregon at legend Joe Theismann. We'll talk all things NFL. But, uh, Lou, uh, what happened? I mean, that was that was a tough one. That certainly, I mean, I, I go back in my, in my uh, treasured memories of all the times where I've been deflated after a game where, where I had a rooting interest in a game. And that's as bad as it got, it's ever been for me, Lou. Uh, 13 seconds. They couldn't figure out a, a way to kill 13 seconds in a game. It's been microanalyzed uh, from all the different mm-hmm. directions. Uh, mistakes that perhaps the coaching staff made. Execution mistakes that perhaps the players made on, on, on the field. Um, but 13 seconds, and uh, to me that was, you know, very very easily the Buffalo Bills win that game. They get Cincinnati at home today, and they go to the Super Bowl and perhaps win the Super Bowl, but for 13 seconds. Wow, Lou, I'm sure you're watching the game, uh, your your reaction at the time. You know what? For me, it wasn't really the 13 seconds. It was the last two minutes, and... Uh, just the way both teams went up and down the field and scored touchdowns, uh, you really wonder how good these defensive backs really are. Because the one move that uh, the, the Buffalo wide receiver put on the guy and put him on his rear end, he was wide open on a fourth and 20, if I'm not mistaken, Yes, yes. Uh, to go Correct. ahead. And then little Tyreek Hill, uh, you, you give him an inch, and that's exactly what uh, Levi Wallace gave him. And he's gone for a touchdown on a 75-yard uh, run. And, and then coming back, you know, it, it's just, 
I guess sometimes you wonder what coaches go through on that sidelines on whether they're actually they're, if their minds are actually ahead or they in the moment where they get caught up just like us fans do. Like, I but, thought it was a great game overall. Oh, it was it was it was a game for the ages. I mean, it, it really was. It, it really and then, was. I mean, it's being described by many as the greatest game in NFL history. The only the only one that's comparable, I think, it was a, a game back in '81. I can't remember. It's Chargers and Dolphins, I believe, and it was yeah, Chargers in Miami with the little uh, yeah yeah. Uh, the, the latter play was uh, was that Kellen Winslow in that game? Yeah, Kellen Winslow and Joe Kellen Winslow, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's the that's sort of the game they're comparing it to. I mean, you know, you you look at the the thirteen seconds, and it's you know, from Buffalo Bills fan, it's it's like it's a negative experience. <laughs> but uh, I mean, you look at the rest of the game, and Josh Allen. I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due. I mean, that's the reason it was a great game is obviously because of Josh Allen and Pat Mahomes. Uh, you you may not find. Uh, uh, I mean, you'd really have to search the NFL archives. To find a game where two quarterbacks uh, in 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 the in the fourth quarter played at the level that these two quarterbacks played at, and it was just you know it was just phenomenal, phenomenal watching these two incredibly talented young quarterbacks play. And but when Buffalo you know scores the touchdown with thirty sec thirteen seconds left, that should be it. That should have been it. How do you go down the field? Well, you saw how they went down the field. And, you know, the criticism was that um, that Buffalo should have squibbed kick it. Uh, and, you know, that's the benefit of hindsight. I was, you know, I was watching the TV at that time. And when I saw Tyler Bass, I believe that's his name, the, the, the Buffalo kicker, kick it into the end zone. I was literally screaming at the TV, what are you doing? Put the ball on the ground. You know, it's you know you got to take you get to take four or five seconds off the clock, make it a two, uh, make it you know only two plays left in the game, and one of them has to be to kick a field goal, or it's got to be a hail mary into the end zone. Why leave them with the extra play? And I and I will say that you know I I uh, if, if anybody re- out there uh, uh, reads the Athletic, there's a fascinating article by Joe Buscaglia that he. Uh, that he posted yesterday. He, uh, he writes for the Buffalo Bills on the athletic and, uh, you know, he analyzes the last three plays of the game and he analyzes it from the perspective of the players, the reaction of the players, because McDermott really didn't answer the questions about what happened or what decisions were made. And, and he analyzes it. It's almost like, you know, this is the second coming of the Zabruder film. Everybody's looking at it from 23 different angles. And the interesting point he makes on that kickoff, if you look at the reaction of two of the Buffalo players, uh, cornerback Siran Neal and Joaquin Johnson, he says he focused on the reaction of those two players when Bass kicked it into the end zone. Those players literally were shaking their heads, and their body language was, what did we just do? Um, interesting article by Joe Buscali. Uh, he writes for The Athletic, uh, if you're interested in, in his analysis of the last three plays of the game, uh, I highly recommend going reading. And, uh, Lou, I went back and looked at it. Yeah, you look at some of the reaction of the Buffalo players when they kicked it into the end zone, and a couple of them were looking at the sidelines like their body language was, what did we just do? Um, interesting if that ever gets answered. Uh, I know the question may be posed. Interesting if the coaching staff or any of the players ever, in fact, 
answer that. Um, so the Buffalo Bills aren't there. Um, just before we go to break, Lou, um, I, I do want to, we may not get a chance to talk about it because we're going to be heavily into uh, Leafs talk and, uh, and NFL talk today. So I, I want to get this out of the way we go. What made the week, what turned the week psychologically for me uh, was can- when Canada beat Honduras Thursday night. Uh, I was in a little bit of a depressed state after the Bills. I'm being a bit facetious here. There's more important things in life than sports. But, uh, you know, I'd love to see the Buffalo Bills win the Super Bowl. But um, tough couple of days for Buffalo Bills fans. And then Canada beat Honduras on Thursday night. And a remarkable um, remarkable performance by this Canadian team. A remarkable goal, world-class goal by Jonathan David. Um, beat Honduras in Honduras. Last time they had to play in Honduras, I think they got it handed to them 8-1. to one. Uh, This team, this team's on a mission, and their next mission is today at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton at 2.30 this afternoon when they get to the United States. Uh, Lou, I know you're a big soccer-slash-football fan. Um Canada, you know, as Naz made the point last week, we've been, we may very well see Canada in the World Cup of Soccer and not see Italy. But really quickly before we go to break, uh, your comments on this Canadian team. Uh, you know what? I, I, I couldn't have said it any better. They're a remarkable team really coming out of nowhere and, and beating the team that they really had to because obviously they hadn't beat Honduras until I think 2012 uh, out there. Uh, and sometimes going into a strange or a unchartered waters like like they did and and really handing it to them uh i think they're right now they're in pretty comfortable position in the top three mind you they are leading and uh they do play the u.s today in in frigid uh cold weather in hamilton uh but more power to them uh i just hope for you know that they can keep a, a level head and know what's ahead of them and keep playing the way they are uh, and get to the uh, get to the World Cup on uh, Quadar at the end of the year. Yeah, certainly they've, they've five games left. That they start uh, start this afternoon. It's still not an easy ride for them. There's a there's a there's a lot of challenges still ahead. And uh, next couple of days they've been you know on on Thursday night they did it without uh, Alfonso Davies, their superstar. But uh, the rest of the team stepped up, and that, you know that's what you love to see. Um, so we got our fingers crossed. It would be a remarkable achievement uh, uh, as uh, if Canada can qualify for the 2022 World Cup, especially since the 2026 World Cup uh, will be played in Canada. Canada will be one of the host countries, together with the United States and Mexico. So, wow, would it be would it be a wonderful thing to see the red uh, the red jerseys in the 2022 World Cup next. Uh, I think. I know it's in November. I'm not sure it's October, November, November, December, but it's next, uh, late next fall. Uh, certainly looking for, uh, sorry, this fall. What am I talking about? It's, uh, it's coming up at the end of this year. On that note, um, Lou, uh, we're going to be talking to your good friend and our good friend. Uh, we're going to go to break, and we'll be right back with Carlo Koliakovo. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville asked... Do you want to meet the hot Hawaiian of your dreams? This hot Hawaiian is slathered in bacon, red onion, spicy sausage, pineapple and hot banana peppers. A large thin crust is just $16.99. One bite and you'll say, Lou, wow! You might even get a lay on the beach. 
Call Pizzaville at pound 3636 on your cell phone. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. We all value our sporting heroes. But what price would you put on one in mint condition? If you ask us, you'll get an honest answer. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise is looking to buy your vintage collection of hockey, basketball, baseball, football, and soccer heroes. Come and see us in person at our new Toronto Mint Inc. Gallery, now open at 198 Davenport, east of Avenue Road, or visit our store online at mintink.ca. Show us what you got, and we'll show you the money. Think Mint Inc. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on AM 740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, live streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. The co-host of TSN's First Up, Monday to Friday, 6 to 10 a.m., and a TSN hockey analyst, our good friend, Carlo Koliakovo. Good morning, Carlo. How are you this morning? Morning, fellas. Um, how am I this morning? Well, the sun is out on a Sunday morning, <laughs> but I wish the Bills were playing. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what, uh, Carlo? This is like a wake here. Uh, first of all, I want to wish you a happy birthday. It was, I, I Thank think you. It was a couple of Thank days you. ago. Have, uh, yeah. have you cro- have, are you over 30 yet, Carlo? Uh, <laughs> I wish that was the truth. Uh, I'm almost 40, so uh, my, my 39th birthday um, on uh, Thursday this week, and... Uh, you know, people asked, how was it? Um, you know, to me, it was just another day. I wasn't able to really do much, but, you know, my birthdays, the way I celebrate them, I just want to be around my family, and I got to do that, so it was good. And God bless you. Congrats. Thank Listen, you. Listen, uh, Carlo, um, Lou and I just were commiserating about last Sunday's uh, events. I know that you are a proud member of the Bills Mafia. Um, yeah. You don't hide that. And as I said to uh, as I said to, to uh, Lou earlier, man, it's tough being a Toronto Maple Leafs and a Buffalo Bills fan at the same time. Uh, <laughs> but let's let's forget about the Leafs for now. We'll get to the Leafs because they won last night. Um, the Buffalo Bills game. Uh, oh, Carlo, I looked at this from twenty different perspectives. Just commented on an interesting article that Joe Buscalia wrote in the Athletic about the reaction of the Buffalo Bills players after mm. Tyler Bass kicked it into the end zone. But let's go back uh, those thirteen seconds because they will live in infamy. Let's forget about the part that the NFL rules didn't give the Buffalo Bills a chance to uh, to get the ball in overtime. But thirteen yeah. seconds. Um, should there be criticism? Uh, criticism of the coaching staff Uh, and if there is should be criticism what should that criticism be Carlo yeah I think there's definitely criticism that's warranted uh, when you go back and and dissect it and replay it all I mean um, you know to coach all year and to 
put it together a game plan for that type of game. I didn't need anybody to tell me, um, you know, how that how that game was going to play out. I think it was pretty obvious that the team that ended up with the ball last was going to win that game just because of how good both offenses was. And I, I'm actually really surprised that as good as the Bills' defense was all season, I mean, being the number one ranked team, they weren't able to come up with a big stop in a big moment of the game you know, like we're we're talking about the last 13 seconds. I just think that, you know, when when you're playing against a team like KC and you have Patrick Mahomes there and you're on the road, you have a chance to go to the AFC Championship game, you can't afford to make any mistakes late in the game. And, you know, there were more than one mistake made in that final 13 seconds. Um, and if you, can, if you can ask anybody in football, what they would do differently, it would be the complete opposite of what the Bills did in three straight plays. Yeah. Um, you know, first of all, with 13 seconds left and with three timeouts, why wouldn't you want to put the Kansas City Chiefs as close to their goal line as you possibly can? I mean, if you start them at the 25, you know, with the way Mahomes can scramble and some of the weapons that he has, like he did in two plays, he can get them in potential field goal range. So, I know as much as, you know, 13 seconds was, you know, a site of victory, I was screaming at the TV not yeah, to kick it out so of the end zone. That's exactly what I was doing. And I'm not a money quarterback. It didn't make here. any sense. I was like, literally screaming at the TV saying, what are you doing? Yeah. And, you know, now there's this article that comes out saying that they that's the what they wanted to do and nobody got the message of the care. I don't know if I believe that because – if the kicker is the most important player on that play, how does he not know what he's supposed to do? So, you know, they should, I don't even know if squib kick was the right answer, but a kick that would have landed just before the goal line that would allow them to yes. at least catch it and kneel it or catch it and run a couple seconds off the clock. You, you, you got to put your run, trust you in got, your special you, teams to do that. You got to make it a two play game rather exactly. than a three play game. Exactly. And then because, after that, the most frustrating part after that was. They called two timeouts in consecutive plays to set up their defense. I don't know why you thought going prevent and preventing a touchdown was the right play to do. They gave up 43 yards in two two plays. So that was extremely, extremely frustrating. I mean, and... Sorry? Sorry, go ahead. You know, finish your thought, Carl. Yeah, and you know, they get the field goal. Okay, it goes to overtime. Look, I'm not going to sit here and argue the overtime rules because they knew no. the rules going in. Does it suck? Yes. Would you want to see both teams, you know, with those caliber quarterbacks, have the ball once? Yes, I think it absolutely makes sense. I mean, football should definitely yeah. um, recognize, especially in playoffs. But I knew once they lost that coin toss, it was, it was over. over. Yeah. It was over. They couldn't, the defense just couldn't stop Mahomes with the momentum that they had built. Um, to Lou, I'll give you an opportunity here. Uh, go ahead. Uh, thanks, Wally. Um, the, the thing that I, I question, not only the, the, the 13 seconds left, uh, I'm just curious on why they, they didn't play a tight man-to-man even if they had to take a penalty, it would have wasted three or yeah. four seconds off the clock. <laughs> uh, I'm serious, late. Listen, uh, I think when we're young, uh, in the last 30 seconds in front of our net, it's more or less, it's, it's no holes barred. Mm-hmm. Because if you're, if you're up one goal, you just cross-check the shit out of the guy, excuse right. my language, and, and make sure he doesn't get that goal. 
and sure, you're going to go down for, you're going to take a penalty. But again, I don't know why they didn't play man-to-man or a tight man-to-man um, at that play. They, they more or less, they gave the guy 20 yards before they yeah. even touched the ball. Right. Okay. I'm and with you, Lou. Like, I was coaches. saying the same thing. I was saying the same thing. Man up on the line and take a holding penalty. Three, yeah. four seconds yeah. go off the clock. That's right. You let, you let them home scramble sure. a bit. And, yeah, but, you know, it's and, just, and you're wasting time. Right. Time that's that's what back. you need to do. You need to waste time in that scenario. And to me, what this goes back to is game management. How do players, and especially coaches, and this is my biggest argument when I watch NFL football, these coaches get paid millions of dollars, millions of dollars, to make decisions that impact the game like we saw like that. And it just confuses me how they can't make the right ones most times that are not. Yeah, I, I, I got the couple of impressions I took away. After the Bills scored that touchdown with 13 seconds, um, I saw I – saw, I mean, I get the part about they're celebrating, but they seem to be celebrating too long as if they're – it's almost like they said, this game's over. And I'm yeah. saying, guys, guys, settle down. Yeah. Settle down. You got Pat Mahomes over there, and all he's got to do is he's got to move the ball up the field 40 yards. Uh-huh. And not even 40 yards, 30 yards, because, you know, this guy probably could have kicked one from, he could have kicked one from between 55 and 60 yards. Yeah. He, would have get, he would have given it a good shot. So well, I'm saying, just, game, just ain't, a, game ain't over, guys. Stop well, celebrating. Here, here's the irony behind it. <laughs> the Kansas City Chiefs got 45 yards in 13 seconds, and the Dallas Cowboys couldn't get a kneel down in 13 seconds. <laughs> so, like, that's coaching in the NFL. For Anyways, um, yeah, I, I get the part where being Monday morning quarterbacks, it's easy after the fact. Um, I get it. I, I just, I just, it just leaves a, a sour taste because it was time. so, it was so preventable. Yeah, uh, there, I there, agree. It, it was like the perfect storm of bad decisions and and opportunistic uh, play calling by a generational quarterback. Right, uh, and it just—it was—it was the perfect storm of bad. You know, you look back at some of the decisions that were made. Why are you rushing four guys? Uh, point. Rush two. You know what, Wally? Like, like, you know, like um, if, you want, if, you, if Mahomes wants to run around back there for five or six or nine seconds, let him. Yeah, I know. You know? I, you know what? If you're going to play a prevent defense, play a prevent defense. I, yeah, no, <laughs> and know? there's no reason to play a prevent defense. I don't know why they yeah. thought that was the right thing. Oh, I, I don't played, know. Anyways, we, we, we can go through hockey. this. It, nothing, nothing we're going to say well, here's the is going to change the result, unfortunately. I, no, you're right. It's not. And it's going to be even even harder to accept the fate when the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl because yeah. of what could have been for the Bills. But That's I've played professional hockey for over 16 years. And I've played in some big games, You know, represented my country a few times, um, some big game sevens. I, I and you know you go through your 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 um, you know your measured emotions in those games. I've never ever in my life gone through that type of roller coaster of emotions than I did in that Buffalo Bills game, and I don't think I'll ever recover from it because I'll be forever haunted by thirteen seconds <laughs> until like, the people... Bills win a Super Bowl. I I'm not going to recover from this one, and I will tell you. Yeah. The experience, the only experience, there's a couple that I've thought about um, what other games are set. There's obviously the Toronto Maple Leafs against mm. uh, the Boston Bruins, that 4-1 to lead where they collapsed and they lost in overtime. That one, 
that one still haunts me. Mm. The one, the only one I can really compare to this, I, uh, close to this one, uh, was Italy against France in the 2000 Euro. Uh, and they lost Italy, in the finals. They lost in the finals yeah. in in extra time in the sixth minute of extra time. France tied the game. And everybody went back and said, why do we even have six minutes? All the Italian guys were all on the sidelines. They were all jumping up and down like the mm. game was won. And all of a sudden, they kick it up the field. France scores in the sixth or seventh minute of, of extra time. There were absolutely no reason for the referee to have tacked on more than a minute of extra yeah. time. And I looked at that goal, and they had to go to overtime in that one. And I says, I, oh, my God, I, I just can't believe what I just watched. Yeah. Leafs, the Leafs in 2013, and this one. Fortunately, Italy won the World Cup in 2006 and the Euro last year. So I've gotten past that one. Until the Bills win the Super Bowl, this has <laughs> been on for a long, long time. Well, you got to really... feel good about their chances if yeah, they well... like Josh Allen. I mean, but the thing about football is so much changes year after year, right? And it's just to think that if they got by Kansas City, they'd be hosting the AFC Championship game against Cincinnati. You'll take that any day. And then in the Super Bowl, you wouldn't have to face one of Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. I mean, it was there. It was there for them. It was there. It was there. You know, you asked, you know, you you mentioned the games for you. Uh, Personally, um, you know, one of the the, the toughest things for me to get over was in 2013-14, playing for Detroit. We were up 3-1 in the playoff series against uh, Chicago in the second round of the playoffs. And we ended up losing in game seven in overtime. And Chicago went on to win the cup. And to me, that was something that I always go back and live and think about how things would have been different if we won that series. Um, and then personally, um, sorry, you know, sports-wise, I don't think I was ever emotionally invested as I was into something that was the Bills on Sunday. But two Super Bowls that clearly left a bad taste in my mouth was the Super Bowl between New England and, and Seattle. Yeah. When Seattle threw the ball to go line with Marshawn Lynch, yeah, I had so much. I had a chance to win so much money <laughs> if Seattle won that Super Bowl because not only did I have a wager on them, but I would have won. I would have won the squares pool that our team does, and it was like close to ten grand. And then um, the other Super Bowl was involved New England as well too, and Atlanta was up twenty-eight to three and didn't win because again. I would have won a lot of money if Atlanta would have at least covered that game. Covered. And because it went to overtime and they scored a touchdown, not only did they lose, but they failed to cover the spread. <laughs> so that one left us. Uh, that one left us as well, one. too. Anyways, guys, we just only, we got a few minutes left with you, Carlo. we got to talk yeah. about the Leafs just for a couple of minutes. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to Lou. Lou, uh, big game for the Leafs last night. Uh, they, they found a way to get themselves down, but this time they uh, – they overcame a two-goal lead rather than giving it giving one up. Uh, Michael Bunting had a great game last night. Uh, uh, fittingly enough, on hometown hockey on Canada hockey day in Canada with mm. Scarborough, and he's a Scarborough guy. Lou Leafs last night's game. Your uh, your thoughts? Well, it's it's about time that uh, they come back and uh, not let a team in uh, after what they've done probably for the last uh, dozen or so games where they've taken a a two- or three-goal lead going into the yeah. halfway through the second and third period. Uh, I thought they played a great road game last night. Button came through uh, with a couple of uh, so-called garbage goals in front of the net. 
Uh, and the other guys, it, it's more or less, I thought they just played a, a good, solid uh, road game against a team that uh, that more or less uh, didn't have anything, didn't belong in the game. No, uh, Lou, I, I agree with you, man. I think the, the thing that's impressed me the most about this Maple Leafs team, especially over this three-week stretch, is how focused um, they've been in these rare weeks that they're having of just playing you know, two games. I mean, how crazy it is to think in an NHL schedule, you play three weeks in a row only playing two games, like Wednesday, Saturday. And usually when you have that much time off, you sort of see a lot of rust, you know, come in um, or, you know, sloppiness when it comes to details come into your game. And maybe that could have played a factor in some of those 3-1 leads. But what we saw yesterday, especially as a road game, you know, being down 3-1, being down 4-2 is... You know, them just never never forgetting, you know, how they needed to play. I mean, you saw a big game for Michael Bunting. And by the way, I mean, Michael Bunting is quickly making people forget about Zach Hyman because what he's doing is just, you know, I loved watching the player. I think he just brings a lot of different intangibles, and he's found a nice fit alongside Austin Matthews. But, you know, I think another, you know, player that really, really has impressed me lately has been Rasmus Sandin, and I really can't believe that he only scored his first goal of the season yesterday, but... He's been one of their best defensemen all year. Um, and then, you know, you see the leadership from guys like Marner, who's played incredible since his return from injury. Um, and, you know, gets a, a big, high-character road win um, against a team like Detroit that, you know, has got a lot of young players and, um, you know, plays you plays you hard and um, a lot to like about what everything this Maple Leafs is doing right now. Now, the only thing that concerns me about this team is a lot of goals that they're giving up game after game. And they're going to be playing a lot of hockey here coming the month of February because of all the games they're going to have to make up. And I don't think fatigue will play a factor, but definitely you know, fatigue will play a factor for the goalies. But definitely for the players, you might see fatigue you know, settle in a little bit because of how many games they're going to be. And, and when that happens, can you keep the puck out of your net? So you know, I think we'll, we'll find out a lot about who this team is in this coming stretch here and what things they need to do to improve them uh, come the deadline or whatever moves they, they can make with either call-ups or other, you know, college signings or whatever it may be to help improve the blue line. Uh, we're talking to Carlo Coliaco. Well, Carlo, we only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, I look at the standings this morning. The Leafs are uh, uh, in third place. Mm-hmm. The, uh, they're... 10 points behind Florida, and I think 7 or 8 points behind Tampa, but they have 5 games in hand on both. So, uh, assuming if I was to throw a Leafs percentage, they'd probably get, let's say, 6, 7 points out of their next 10. So, let's say they're 3 points behind Florida and pretty well even with Tampa. Mm. And then you got the Boston Bruins nipping at the heels. And you look at at the, you basically have 4 of the best 8 teams uh, in in this one in yeah. this one little division here in the NHL, uh, so it isn't going to be an easy task for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, looks like they're going to get uh, if, if if we were to prognosticate probably a dose of either Florida. Um, how do you see the matchups for the Leafs? Uh, how do they against Florida? They haven't. I don't think they've even played Florida or Tampa yet this year. If I'm not mistaken, no, they have played Tampa. Have they? Um, okay. I'm Florida. not sure if they've played Florida yet. Yeah. But look, I mean, how do they match up? Obviously not the the, the the matchup that you want in your first-round playoff matchup, but really when it comes to this Maple Leafs team, does it really matter who they match up again? I mean, they couldn't beat Columbus or Montreal in, in sure. consecutive playoff series, right? So 
this is this is the the fate that they've dealt with the division that they're in. I'm going to be honest, with you, Florida's been to me the most impressive team in the NHL this year. Like the way they can score goals and the way they can eliminate you know uh, deficits that they face. Um, you know, produce offense. It's it's just it's so much fun to watch. And then you know, with Tampa Bay, you know, even though they cruise through the season for the most part, they know how to turn it up come playoff time. So I don't know if there's an actual team that you could say here and say I want to play. I think the Maple Leafs' best chance for success in the playoffs would probably be to win the division and maybe catch one of the teams in the Metro. Um, as one of your first round opponents. Um, but, you know, even you look at the Metro, you've got the Rangers, you've got Carolina, you've got Pittsburgh and Washington. I mean, pick your poison. Yep. Whatever matchup you <laughs> get, it's not going to be an easy one. And, you know, maybe that's a good thing for the Maple Leafs because they do play better. When, but clearly, you know, as good as they're playing the season, they're obviously going to be judged and, and graded with, you know, their pl- playoff you know, success or lack of success, hopefully success this year, but it's going to be a tough one no matter what. But I think, you know, what you want to hope is that the scars that they've earned from years past, you know, actually help get this team over the top, but it's not going to be easy. So put yourself in the best position possible, maybe get home ice, but you know, who knows if home ice will actually be an advantage with the way our province drags their feet on the decisions they make. So, um, We'll see, um, you know, but health is health and depth will, will, will be a, a huge factor to, you know, the Maple Leafs, either success or lack thereof. We've been talking to Carlo Koliakovo. Please listen to him uh, Monday to Friday on TSN. First up, 6 to 10 a.m. Carlo, we always take the opportunity to listen in. Uh, Thanks, uh, Obviously, we love the work you're doing with TSN as a hockey analyst. And uh, didn't know, Carlo, I didn't know you are a big wrestling fan. We don't have time for it today. Oh, yeah, but, uh, maybe. <laughs> we're going to get you back. Uh, we're, we're heading towards WrestleMania. So uh, I'm, I'm giving you an invitation. WrestleMania Sunday, you have to join us. So, Anytime, uh, boys. Book it. You got thanks, it. Thanks so much for joining us, Carlo Koliakovo. All right, guys. Have a great Sunday. Take care. Thanks so much. We're uh, going to go to break, and uh, as soon as we come back, Joe Theismann. Should be interesting. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville declared, We'll never be the fastest. We'll never be the cheapest. We'll never be the snazziest dressed. What? Yeah, my point is, we want to be the best. At Pizzaville, we want to make the best pizza. Stone-baked, the traditional Italian way. Pizzaville stone-baked pizza. Fiercely Canadian. Authentically Italian. We all value our sporting heroes. But what price would you put on one in mint condition? If you ask us, you'll get an honest answer. Mint Inc. Trading Cards and Sports Merchandise is looking to buy your vintage collection of hockey, basketball, baseball, football, and soccer heroes. Come and see us in person at our new Toronto Mint Inc. Gallery, now open at 198 Davenport, east of Avenue Road, or visit our store online at mintink.ca. Show us what you got, and we'll show you the money. Think Mint Inc. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. 
They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Are they ever wrong about sports? I can answer that in two words. Impossible. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live on the new AM740 in downtown Toronto, 96.7 FM, live streaming on the internet, www.zoomerradio.ca. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, Joe Theismann. Good morning, Joe. How are you this morning? I'm great, Wally. How are you? You guys doing well? And to, to Lou as well? Yeah, thanks. Um, We're doing well. I'm sure it's a little bit uh, chillier where we are than where where you are, Joe. I hope you're down in Florida and keeping warm and golfing. So uh, <laughs> I will be soon. Okay, great. Uh, uh, Joe, we've uh, we've just uh, had a probably twenty to twenty five minute wake for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, last, uh, we don't want to. We don't want to belabor the demise of this year's Buffalo Bills. Uh, all that much. There's a lot of other good football going on today, and we want to get around to that. But uh, Joe, that was a tough one last uh, last Sunday night. Uh, really tough for Buffalo Bills fans. Um, I'm just going to ask you from a from a from a professional's perspective, uh, from an NFL player's perspective, from an analyst's perspective. Um, what did you see? Obviously, there with the benefit of hindsight, you know everything's easily correctable. But what was blatantly off that the Bills should have done differently? Well, I think you have to look at the last 13 seconds of the game, Wally. You can't avoid. Um, having that stare you in the face. Why do you give Patrick Mahomes 13 seconds when all you need to do is kick the ball on the ground and run off at least five seconds and maybe give them one play? Um, and then, you know, I don't know why you're protect. In other words, from a defensive standpoint, why are you protecting the sidelines when they have all those timeouts left? I mean, just, you know, um, from a... Uh, standpoint of analyzing the entire game. I think I thought Buffalo just hung in against an explosive offense. I thought uh, Josh Allen played tremendous football. Davis was incredible. But you get down to the end of the game and there's just, you know, simple little things. People don't necessarily focus on special teams when they talk about football teams. It's all about the quarterback and the great defensive end and the great cover corner. But special teams decides an awful lot of games. Uh, last year, I believe 25 or 26% of the games in the National Football League were decided by three points or less. So one-fourth of all the games were decided by, by three points or less. But I think that, obviously, it, you know, it was a decision that was made, and uh, they paid the price for it. I mean, I don't know why you protect the boundaries. Why do you, you know, it's interesting. Against San Francisco in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago when uh, Kansas City won, the same route that Kelsey ran to get into position to kick the field goal was the same one that he ran to catch the pass that allowed Kansas City to, I think, go ahead. Same route. You know, it's just down the, down the hash on the left side. And, you know, I mean, you look at that game in hindsight and say, yeah, there's, there's things that, you know, you could have done. And from a player standpoint, you know, a throw you could have made, a tackle you could have made, an opportunity you could have, have, have capitalized on. But when it comes to just having you know something like that occur, that really is out of the player's hands. 
you know, that's not a player's decision. That's a, that's a coaching decision. And I, I understand that, you know, the, the coaches are going to angst over that for a long, long time. And it's probably going to be an example to a lot of other coaches. Let me it just follow up on that. Point that before before I, it, sorry, it also sorry. proves the point. It, it proves the point that you know the game really isn't over till it's over. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We certainly, uh, we've certainly that will will sit uh, for a long, long time. Before I turn it over to Lou, I just wanted to follow up on on one point you just uh, there, Joe. That that I, I've asked this question probably to myself all week long and some other people. Um, is is that situation? A situation that coaches prepare for. You got 13 seconds left in a game, and you're kicking off. Duke, is that a situation coaches actually think about and prepare for? I would say absolutely. You have to. I mean, you know, your special teams decided two of the games: the Kansas City game and the San Francisco game. You know, San Francisco was going to score an offense against Green Bay. You get a you, you get a blocked field goal. You get a blocked punt, which resulted in a touchdown. So um, you know, yeah, I, I think you know, coaches spend endless hours preparing for minutia, the the smallest things. You're 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 a lawyer, okay? Yep. Don't you when you prepare for a case, don't you try and take in every possible scenario that may occur? You should. It's no it's no different. It's absolutely no different in football. And that wasn't one of those ones where, you know, it's sort of hidden on the back shelf. You know, that's staring you in the face. That's Patrick Mahomes over there. We, the, the thing that we have an advantage of is we can run time off the clock because we are kicking to them. To have nothing go off the clock and give him that kind of time with those weapons, it, it's, you know, obviously it's something that didn't occur. And, and I feel bad for the Buffalo Bill fans. I think everybody in Buffalo was celebrating. The sidelines was celebrating. And unfortunately, you know, Patrick Mahomes got magical. Yeah, he certainly did. Lou? Joe, um, there's a, we haven't got enough time to talk about what happened last week. But the one question I wanted to ask you was, uh, being a professional football player, I know I'm on the other side with, with being a hockey player, does it affect the players? When you see a coach... Uh, or a team make a decision like they did in the last 13 seconds as a defensive player or as a player on on the field or on the bench there, does it affect you when you go back out there on the next series of plays? And then does it carry over uh, like they lost uh, the, the coin flip? Does it carry over into the overtime uh, with the Buffalo Bills on what happened there with, uh, with the 13 seconds and then Mahone driving the the last uh, 75 yards to the touchdown? I'll tell you, Lou, Lou that is, it's a great question. And you'd like to say it shouldn't, but we're all human. And, and you know, you're, you're on this big high. You, you know, you're going to win. You're riding you're right this, this wave of anxiety and, and joy and jubilation. And then all of a sudden, somebody pulls the rug out from underneath you. You know, you're standing on top of the, the dining room table on a rug, and all of a sudden, somebody yanks the rug out from underneath you. Um, but you have to, you know, you have to try and block it off. I think Buffalo's defense was just flat tired. I mean, and, and, you know, Patrick Mahomes, if you look at Kansas City's history, they struggle a little bit in the first half, but once he gets that thing rolling, look out. I mean, you look at their second half, they just, they're like a, a snowball rolling downhill. And that's, you know, by them winning the toss, 
it made a difference. Now you get into the debate. Is it a fair way to determine a game? Should a coin, well, by the way, everybody that says, why should a coin flip determine the outcome of the game? It wasn't the coin flip that determined the outcome. Buffalo's defense was on the field. I mean, and this, you know, it's funny. I, w- I wish you'd do this after we get off the air or one of your listeners do this. Yeah. How many overtime games this year were decided by the possession of the team that got the ball first by, by scoring a touchdown? I don't think there'll be very many. So it was one of those very unusual, you know, the whole, the whole end of that game was unusual. I mean, you know, all the points that were scored in the last two minutes, up and down the field. Um, I was on the edge of my seat the entire game, uh, you know. And, and believe me, it was, uh, it, was, it was the greatest weekend of football prob- I've ever seen. You take into consideration all the other games. He had three games decided by three-point, another one decided in the overtime. You, I mean, I don't – Yeah, it's, it's, like, never, it's yeah. like trying to find another Tom Brady. You're never going to see anything like that again. I, I think they're all – memory serves me correct. They're all four. We're all walk-off, all walk-off victories. Every single one of them. walk-offs. It's unbelievable. It's just, you make absolutely the best weekend of NFL football in history. Joe, uh, I want to get to today's games, and I want to see, we've got to make sure we save at least two or three minutes to talk about Tom Brady. But let's talk about today's games. We've got the Chiefs and the Bengals, the 49ers and the Rams. Let's uh, let's go Chiefs and Bengals first. Um, Well, you know, the, the Cincinnati beat them at their place last time, you know, week 17, I believe it was. So, I mean, it was, you know, it wasn't too long ago that they put film on and had a chance to study one another. And it is an advantage. After you play somebody, you get an idea. It really boils down to a lot more execution than it does X's and O's because you're not going to change a lot of what you do. Probably 85, 90% of what you do, um, you're going to run again. But if you're the Kansas City Chiefs with Andy Reid, it's probably going to be closer to. 80% because they come up, he and Eric the enemy come up with these incredible creative ways to get the ball out of Patrick's hands. Um, you know, I think Kansas City can win at home, but I don't think Kansas City can afford a slow start. I think they have to come out of the gate right away because Cincinnati's loaded. I, I would expect Joe Burrow to throw for, you know, easily over 300 in this one, and pretty sure Patrick Mahomes will do the same thing. But you know what's really funny, guys? You know, we'll say these things because of the quarterbacks, and it'll probably be a running back that makes the difference in the game. <laughs> uh, i, I got to ask this question, then I'll turn it over to you, Lou. Um, Joe, Lee, the Kansas City Chiefs won a game last Sunday that was, at the end of it, they're on an emotional high. I'm sure they – got to think they think they, they got – they stole one. Uh, and if they don't think, they certainly did. Um, through their talent, by, by all means. But – how much does that affect you going in? Can you get the emotions high again that quickly for a game the following week? Are they? Is it going to be uh, difficult for them to get started? You know, it's funny. I don't think so. Our business is one you remember and forget. For you know, Monday you remember the win. Tuesday you 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 know you have a day off. You remember the win. Wednesday here comes the game plan, and you better get focused on the next week. And and Lou, I think you feel the same way. You know, you never feel like you steal a game. Uh, but, you know, you played so hard through the entire game, in the end it worked out in your favor. Um, you know, it's like, you know, it's like calling somebody an underachiever. Well, you know, here's this person, they're an underachiever. No, hey, if you achieve something, you're not an underachiever. It's just that people had an opinion of you that you didn't buy into, and you did what you needed to do. 
Um, but I, I think I think Cincinnati is going to feel excited about where they are, sort of like they're going to pinch themselves and say, here we are. I think they did that after last week. But they know they can play with Kansas City because they already have. And that's a big thing. Confidence is huge. To know that you can step in, if you're a fighter and step into a ring, or if you go on the ice and you feel like, you know, they may be a tough ball, they may be a tough team, but we can skate with them. Or on a football field, we can go toe-to-toe with their offense. This game boils down to defense, not offense. Which defense is going to step up and make plays? That's going to be the difference in this game. Lou? Uh, I'll tell you, um, if, if Kansas City is going to come into this game uh, with, with no doubts, or uh, I think all they got to do is look back uh, on the whooping that Cincinnati gave them uh, a few weeks ago. And it, it's going to be a great game. Uh, I think it's going to be probably the uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Tyreek Hill, and uh, Kelsey game versus the uh, <laughs> uh, Jamar Chase, Chase, uh, and and Joel Burrow game. Um, I'm really looking forward to it, just like I'm looking forward to uh, the, the second game. Uh, the one question I want to ask you, Joe, uh, is that what is the what is the job of the offensive coordinator or the coordinators uh, sending plays down to the quarterback, and can the coach veto any of those plays? Because what I saw last week in some of the games were were bad decisions made in the last few minutes of the game by quarterbacks or by offensive coordinators making certain calls? And can the, can a coach say, no, 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 you can't make that call. you got to do something else because we're 30, especially in looking at the Tennessee game uh, with Ryan Tannehill doing what he did uh, in the game that they played in. You know, you, the offensive, you spend a lot of time during the course of the week, Lou, to, to prepare for a game. And certainly the head coach has the right to make a decision. But when it comes to – if you're a defensive coach and you have a coordinator, you're not going to override. You'll override maybe say, look, let's go for it on fourth down or let's not go for it, decisions like that. But when it comes to specific plays, I mean, again, you, you think about Tennessee. I mean, you've got, you've got third and a half a yard, and you don't give the ball to Derrick Henry. And then you've got – fourth and a yard and a half and then you give the ball to Derrick Henry which he really they didn't convert the fourth as it was I mean you know they trusted their big horse and their offensive line um they didn't put the ball in the hands of of Ryan Tannehill I think if that's the Kansas City Chiefs the ball goes in the hands of Patrick Mahomes or the ball goes in the hands of Joe Burrow it's just a question of what you what you feel and believe at that time um but you know most of the time you know you're very seldom going to see a coach override a call made because those have been discussed so much all over the entire week when it comes to the preparation for the game. We're talking to Joe Theismann. Joe, we, uh, we've got about four minutes left, and I want to get a couple of minutes on the Rams 49ers and a couple of minutes on, uh, on Tom Brady. I've got, I've got my own clock management problems this morning, Joe, so let's see if we can manage the clock <laughs> okay. and salvage it in the last 13 seconds. Uh, Rams 49ers. Uh, 49ers have beaten the Rams the last six games against them. Uh, remarkable statistic. Is anything different going to happen? Is the result going to be any different today, Joe? I think it can be. I think the Rams have learned. The Rams have to, the Rams have to play tough football. You know, you get this stigma, you know, it's the Los Angeles Rams, the pretty uniforms, the, the purple and the, and, the, and the yellow, and it's very pretty and all that stuff. The 49ers just come in and, and make it a physical game. The question is, can the Rams make this as physical a game on their side of the ball that you know San Francisco is on their side? 
And this this game really does. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to make at least three major plays in this game. I think Matthew Stafford's going to have to protect the football. That's going to be the difference in this football game, because we, we you know we saw basically what the 49ers can do. It's a resilient team. I think Kyle Shanahan is an incredible coach. You've got two of the best young play callers in football between Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay playing against one another. And you know, people will say, well, it's about time the Rams win because San Francisco is 1-6. It doesn't matter. It's a new game. It's a new time. It's a new, it's a new venue. It's a new venture. Um, you know, there was... You know, probability goes out the window. Well, the Rams should win this. No, not not if they play bad. They won't. Uh, and, uh, Joe, we're into the two-minute drill. Uh, Tom Brady, at about 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon, uh, we were all celebrating his career. Uh, the plaudits were rolling in. The, the, the greatest of all time tributes were happening. Uh, it was all over Twitter. It was all over the Internet. And then about an hour, an hour and a half later, uh, Tom Brady released a statement saying, hold off, guys. Uh, I haven't announced my retirement yet. Um, I've got to think that, that he, the retirement is coming, and this just was an unfortunate leak. Um, uh, what happened, Joe, yesterday? I think, I think somebody might have um, assumed something. You know, everybody wants to um, one-up. Every network wants to one-up somebody else. Every reporter wants to one-up. It, it, to me, it, you know, I sent out a tweet, you know, hey, Tom, thanks for, you know, being just a great champion you were. And, you know, we've seen something so special. Um, you know, we, we talk about generational players. Tom's a centurion player. I mean, you're never going to see the accomplishments that he has to win seven championships, you know, basically six with one and some of those. I really feel like that um, Tom... It was too soon for Tom to make that decision. I think Tom's going to wait a little while. He's going to get with the family. He's going to talk it over. He's going to, you know, Bruce Arians would know long before the media would know, or at least simultaneously. So for the reports to come out and say he's going to go, and then Tom to come out and say, hey, hold on one second, um, I'm not convinced he's going to leave. You know, I went with everybody else. I thought he was. So, hey, congratulations. But, I still think he feels there's unfinished business, and I think they feel that way down in Tampa. I mean, that football team he brought into that playoff game was nowhere near the football team that he played with the year before. They can get healthy. There's still a great defense. Now, the guys stayed around this year. Tampa didn't lose one person in free agency. Will it be different this year? What will that team look like? Those are all discussions that Tom has to have once the season is over with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So to me... They're really the announcement was premature because Tom hasn't really had the time to be able to sit down and analyze this situation the way I think he usually would and wants to. Joe, we're going to have to leave it at that. Uh, my producer is telling me I'm 13 seconds over time here, so uh, not bad. Uh, yeah, well, uh, I got to get the 13 seconds uh, analogy out of my system. It's going to be the last week I use it. But Joe, I have to thank you. We're tight for time as usual. Thanks so much for joining us. And, You're welcome, uh, guys. Lou, take care. Wally, thank you too, Joe. See you soon. Bye bye. Appreciate it, Bye-bye. Lou. Uh, I want to say thanks. Uh, thanks for helping me out today, and I wish my partner Naz. I hope you're feeling better. And go Canada. To all our listeners, have a great week. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.